0: Hello again, I do want to welcome you back to Bible Studies with Russ. Today we're picking up in Joshua chapter 2 and verse 12. Uh, But before we pick up, I'm going to back up and just read through verses 1 through 11 of chapter 2 so help us remember uh, some of the things we discussed uh, last time. And then we'll pick up in chapter 2 and verse 12. So backing up to verse 1 of chapter 2, we find the Bible says, Now Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go, view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have, enter- enter- who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the country. Then the women took the two, ch- two men, she means then the woman took the two men and hid them. So she said, "Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they where they were from." And it happened as the gate was being shut, when it was dark, that the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid and hidden them with the stalks of flax which she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued them by the road to the, to the Jordan, to the fords. As soon as as soon as those who pursued them had gone out, they shut the gate. Now, before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof, and she said to them, "I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard now how, for we have heard how the, how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed." As soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. So that's those are the verses we finished with last time, with Rahab the harlot, hiding the spies, lying about it. Uh, and then as we get here, picking up where we left off, uh, she explains that they knew of Israel, they knew the new things that God has done for them. And in verse eleven she says, As soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you For the Lord your God he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath now, as we mentioned last time Rahab is remembered as the one who hid the spies see so really if you if we're Logical about this, we know God never condones sin. What she is praised for is for her bravery, not for her deceit. Uh, It's possible that she could have hid them in some other way, or done done something else to provide aid for them without being uh, without lying. Um, But she did show bravery, and and I think in reality that's what she is honored for. She's not honored for lying. Uh, That would go all against the word of God. Uh, Looking at verse twelve, says now therefore I beg you. Swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also will show kindness to my father's house, and give me a true token. And spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that they have, and deliver up, and deliver our lives from death. So we find in verse 12 where he had pleas for kindness toward her people, and this plea is based upon her showing kindness to the men who were searching out the land. She wants a true token or a sure sign or a pledge of this kindness. James 2 and verse 25 declares that Rahab was justified by what she did in verse 25. If you look at James chapter 2, James chapter 2, and looking at verse 25, "...likewise was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? She was Now she is justified by what?" Not by lying—that's sin—but by her bravery, and by her wanting to help the people of God, was Rahab in the wrong for being deceitful? Yes, was she in the wrong for her bravery? No, she was not, and no, by no means does does her uh, does the means uh, justify the ends, uh, or the 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 actions justify the you know the result. Her lying was wrong. And no doubt, uh, if she was going to be a true follower of God, she'd have to repent for being for lying to those individuals who asked them asked her about that. Um, and some have said you no, know, did Rahab lie, and some I've heard people say different things. Some have said that Flat said no, she didn't, <laughs> she didn't lie. Well, she did, because she hid them on the roof and then lied about it. And so, what she is really remembered for is her bravery, not for her deception. Uh, we we also notice here. If you look at James 2, 25, that's not justifying, saying she was justified by her lying. She's justified by her bravery and by her knowing who God is. Was she perfect? Well, no. She was a harlot. <laughs> um, are we, should we be surprised that a harlot was deceptive? No. Uh, this is one of the cases where someone wants to do good, but does so in a dishonest way. And, and there's possibly other ways could, other things that could have been done. Um the bottom line, she was deceptive, but she is remembered for her bravery, not for her deception. Uh, verse 13 says, and spare my father, my mother, her family, right? Verse 13, uh, she wants to be delivered from death, which came, came on those who opposed the Israelites. She wants assurance that they'll be safe, because if you back to verse 11, uh, they were afraid of the people, right? In verse 10 and 11, they were afraid of Israel, because they saw the power of God, because God was with them, and so she wants their lives spared. And basically she's saying, look, I helped you, um, you, know, uh, you know, I've hid you. She lied about it, but she did hide them. She was trying, you know, we say sometimes her heart was in the right place. Her actions were not, were not, were not justified, though. I mean, her, her lying is not approved of by God. And so, but she, she's wanting to have her family secured. Verse 14, so the men answered her, our lives for yours. If none of you tell this business of ours, it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with you. And so the answer was, our lives for yours, based on Rahab not telling anybody what they were doing, that is their business. Uh, Verse 12, If she will agree on these terms, and when Israel takes over the land that the Lord has given to them, the Lord will deal kindly and truly, that is faithfully, with her. Now, looking at verse fifteen, then she let then she let them down by rope to the window, for her house was on the city wall. She dwelt on the wall. Now again, I've heard people say, "Well, see, they were they were actually hidden on the wall, not really on top of her house, and so she wasn't really lying." We have to be. I can't I can't find anywhere in here where she is not lying. Uh, people try to justify that because they look in the New Testament to see how she's spoken of highly. Again, it's her bravery, not for her lying. Um, Okay, so, anyway, enough of that. So, she let them down by the rope through the window for, for her house. was on the city wall. She dwelt on the wall. Uh, so, she then helped the it to escape. At this point, she let them down by a cord or rope out through the window. This was necessary because she lived, lived up on top of the wall and was some distance from, from the window to the ground. Uh, how far? I don't know. We needed the rope. We don't want to jump down. That's, that's that tall. Verse 16 says, And she said to them, Get to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you. Hide there three days, until the pursuers have returned. Afterward, you may go your way. Now, verse 16 to me, that's far more helpful than, I mean, she hid them in the house. She lied about it, but she hid them in the house. Uh, she shouldn't have lied. She, I think she other things could have been done. Again, like I said before. But verse 16, she continues to help them. Um, and in my mind, this is more more things you see her being praised for yes she hid him in the house but verse 16 she tells him where to hide she tells him go to the mountains and hide there for three days so she obviously knows that after three days uh the, the pursuers she says there w- will have returned in verse 16 afterward you may go your way um she's pretty knowledgeable about the actions of the pursuers perhaps she's probably seen this type of thing before i think so obviously that she has um and so she's very helpful by saying, wait there three days, and by then they'll be gone, and you can go on your way. You know, it's possible the spies wouldn't have known that unless she had told them. Uh, and so she's very helpful in verse 16. I think almost more so in verse 16 than she is in previous verses. Because they could have been easily a away if they had not known that. Um. <clears throat> see, so there on the north side of the Jericho, there were large limestone hills. Uh, one of the larger ones was known as, as the mountain. This is according to Brother Patterson's I mentioned before, the only commentary I referred to during this uh, class. Um, he says one of the larger ones was known as the mountain. And she says in verse 16, get to the mountain. She advised him to stay in the hill country and hiding for three days. And then the re- pursuers will have returned and then they can go on their way. Uh, more safely. Verse seventeen. So the man said to her, We will, we will be blameless of this oath of yours, which ye you have made us swear. Unless we, we come into land, you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you through which you let us down, unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household to your own home. And so what they're saying is, uh, we will be blameless, but she's saying they're saying we're going to keep our oath. But here's what you need to do. Bring your back to your house, put this scarlet a uh, cord in the window through, through which you let us now. None of those are very specific. Bring her back to your house, but the scarlet cord, they say, in the window which you let us down. Not just any window, but the window which you let us now. And unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household to your own home, so it shall be that whoever goes outside the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we will be guiltless. You know, so they say there, look, bring her back to your house. If you find wonders outside, they're on their own <laughs> that's what they're saying. Uh, look, these are the rules, right? This is what you need to do. If you don't listen, they're gonna die, and we're not gonna be at fault. Um, which is really pretty intelligent because people sometimes think, oh but well, we're we're okay okay, then we, we just go we'll go to market like normal. No, you're dead. and so stay inside if you if you don't listen, basically in verse nineteen, you're on your own. Uh, if you anyone in when your house goes outside, including them, including her as well. Uh, you're you know you're on your own the the deal is off at least for that individual if they die you can't hold it against us you didn't listen um, so get everybody into your house put this cord in your window and stay there that's that's the rule right um, verse 19. And so, his blood shall be on his own head, and we will be guiltless. And whoever is, in, who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head if a hand is laid on him. So, if they leave the house, it's on you. If they stay in the house, it's on us. Verse 20. If you tell this business of ours, and we will be free from from your oath which you made us swear. So, again, all this is contention to her not saying anything about the spies and the business in which they did. Um, now, We've already seen once that she has lied. I don't see how there's any way in which, I think there's other ways in which she could get out of this later in the sense that she did not she wouldn't have to lie about their business. Uh, she's already confessed that they had been in their house, but she just couldn't tell anyone their business. Um, did everybody know they're spies? In reality, yes. Um, the leaders at least did. The pursuers did. That's when they were coming after them. Uh, all she was to do basically, really, if we're honest, is don't talk about it. Don't bring, don't bring it up don't tell anyone in this business of ours those who who you heard knew they knew but don't go tell anyone else right because we see that people knew they were there they they were already being looked upon as spies and so they've already been pursued so now it's just keep your mouth shut verse 20 uh, verse 21 says and then she said according to your words so be it and she sent them away and they departed and and she bound the scarlet cord in the window. What's she doing? She's listening. They departed and went to the mountain and stayed there three days until the pursuers returned. The pursuers sought, sought them all along the way, but did not find them. And so why? Because they're in the mountain. They're hiding. And she they listen. She listens, verse 21. They listen to her advice, verse 22. Everything is working out. Verse 23, so the two men returned. Descended from the mountain and crossed over, and they came to Joshua the son of Nun and told him all the land, all that had befallen them. Then they said to Joshua, "Truly, the Lord has delivered all the land into our hands, for indeed all the inhabitants of the country are faint-hearted because of us." <laughs> now, is it really? Be- now, is it because of them? We understand the reality is because of God. God is a reason. Everybody is quite literally shaking in their boots. You remember backing up. They don't say this in for no reason at all. You back up and you look here at verse um, eight. Uh, excuse me, verse nine and following. This is why they're faint-hearted. Uh, in verse ten, all the things the Lord had done with them. She talks about they're faint-hearted from the, because of them. Verse nine. She talks about how they were, their heart melted because of them in verse eleven. That's why they say what they do in verse twenty-four, saying, "Look, these people are scared to death. It's time to go. It's time to go after and take it over." Uh, and so you kind of get this image of them coming back and saying, look, it is ours. They are petrified of us. Let's go take it. Um, and that's why they give that good report. Now we look into chapter 3 of Joshua. We'll begin here in verse 1. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from, from Acacia Grove and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and they lodged there before they crossed over. So it was. So it was. After three days, that so the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, "When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, of the Lord of a Lord your God, and the priests of the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there should be a space between you and it about two thousand cubits by measure. Uh, two thousand cubits here, uh, but the passage says here is about three fifths of a mile, or the better part of a mile." And so they were not to come near to the ark. Verse four: Do not come near, near to it, or near. That you may know the, that you may know the way by which you must go, for ye have not passed this way before. And so the people cannot come to get too close to the ark. Uh, they were not come near it by, stand, by staying behind and following. They knew the way they must go, and none of these people had ever traveled in this land before. And so basically, they're told stay at a distance from the ark and just follow in. Right. Uh, and so. Again, when you see the ark, stay at a distance and follow it. That's the command. Verse 5. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Now, sanctify is the idea of consecrate yourselves. Uh, for us today, if someone, you know, we were commanded to sanctify ourselves, uh say, the, for, for the Lord's day. And these are things we should be doing anyway. We, we would go to God and pray and rep- and confess our sins, things we should be doing all the time anyway, repent of those things and, and making sure that we are right with God. Uh, that's what the idea we're finding here in verse 5. Uh, this sanctification in the Old Testament times also included cl- uh, uh, cleaning themselves and repairing their minds and having a devout and, uh, as a better passage says here, having a devout and serious state of mind. That is, they prepare themselves mentally and, no doubt, spiritually as well, as we find here in verse 5. Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. When you think about that for a moment, the Lord will do wonders among you. There is no telling what God could do for the people. Now, we know, because we have probably probably read this before, that the Lord does wonderful things among them. His power is, you know, if, if we're honest... We only really, at least in my mind, get a small glimmer of looking at and seeing the power of God. You know, creation we see a bigger, to me, at least in my mind, we see a bigger image of God's power. I mean, He creates everything from nothing. And but in these battles and things like this, if we're honest, you only see just a fraction of God's power because if He wanted to, what would happen? You, know, you want you want to defeat that army? Okay, oh, look, they're all dead. I mean, let's be honest. He could do anything. If he wanted an army dead, he would have to they'd be dead, and they'd fall down dead. Um, you know, we, that's, that's the power of God. And so when we say he's going to wonders among them, anything is possible. You think about some of the things we've seen up to this point already. If you've read, you know, if you were to read from Genesis up until this point, what are some of the wonders that God has done, even those that weren't, that weren't, quote-unquote, with the people of Israel? Well, let's see, creation uh, the flood, you move into the things he did through the life of Joseph, uh, you move into, uh, the exodus of, from Egypt, the, the, the plagues, and then you move into the crossing of the Red Sea, um, you move into all those things that he, they did with, he did with, uh, for the people when they were with Moses, feeding them with, with manna from heaven, uh, you know, uh. The water, you know, spewing forth uh, the rocks, spewing forth water. And then, you know, we see other things in there as well to we move into Joshua's time. And he we get to where he says, Tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. There's no telling, for honest, what God could have in, hold in store for them. The things he could do are, are tremendous. And so if you put yourself in, in, if you were to put yourself in their shoes and you hear Joshua say, Tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. One of the parts you think, man, what's you going to do? <laughs> uh, anything is possible. Not knowing, If you're in their shoes, you don't know exactly what lays ahead. You know, if you trust in God, that you're going to be victorious. But what's going to happen? Anything is possible. Anything is possible. Um, you know, it's kind of like going to bed jittery. Not no, not really the idea of being excited for battle, but the idea of, man, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And you just kind of sitting there, you know, just... Preparing yourself for that, uh, anything is possible, and that's probably what they're thinking as well. Anything can happen tomorrow. Anything can happen. And you know, what's the Lord going to do? As long as we're right in His sight, we're going to see tremendous things. We're going to be, we're going to be, we're going to be taken care of. We're going to have this great victory. And so that's why He says in verse five to sanctify yourselves. Right there in verse uh, five, verse six. And Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, "Take up the ark of the covenant and cross over before the people." So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. That is a tremendous verse in verse 7. He says, This day, I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel. Meaning, they're not going to look, no longer look at you as a man who came after Moses. as a guy who's just substituting for Moses because he's, he's dead. That's what some of them probably thought. But he's saying, they're going to see that I'm with you just like I was with Moses. That, that's a huge deal. Uh, was God with Moses? Oh, only every step of the way. Um, now, does Joshua know that God is with him? Yes. But what the Lord is saying here is the people are going to see without doubt that I am with you, he says. I'm going to exalt you, and in sight, I notice he says of all Israel, and he says that they may know that I was with Mo, that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. They're going to see Joshua is our leader. Now we understand ultimately God, but Joshua is their leader, right? He says in verse eight, "You shall command the priests to bear the ark of the covenant, saying, When you come to the edge of the water of the Jordan." shall stand in the Jordan so Joshua said to the children of Israel come here and hear the words of the Lord your God you know it's it's to me it's so encouraging to see God give commands and see Joshua or whoever he may be speaking to just repeat them word for word and that's what God wants here's what I'm telling you to do you need to do it here's what God has said this is what we're going to do word for word and what is Joshua saying verse 9 come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. I may be speaking, but it's God's words. Verse 10, he says, And Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will, he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, and the he- Hevites, and the Perizzites, and the Gergesites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. And behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore take for yourselves twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe. And it shall come to pass as soon as the souls of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. (laughs) Notice there he makes that distinction, the Lord of all the earth. There's only one Lord. He says, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan shall be cut off. The waters that come down from upstream, and and they shall stand as a heap. You notice this is the second, this is, um, you know, we saw the, the dividing of the Red Sea. Now we're seeing what? The Jordan is being cut off. And what's going to happen? It's going. To, he says in verse uh, 13, shall be cut off. The waters that come from, from upstream, they shall stand as a heap. They're going to pile up. The waters, you know, they're going down. What's going to happen? It's going to, you're creating this big opening, basically what's happening. And we're crossing over the Jordan. Impressive. <laughs> now what did Joshua say back in verse Back in verse 5, what did he say? Signify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do, wonder, will do wonders among you. In verse 13, he wasn't lying. <laughs> the Jordan's going to be cut off. Uh, it's going to stand up like a heap. And, and uh, what's going to happen, we're going to go across it, right? <laughs> uh, across that dry land. Uh, wonders. Uh, are, is a, that's a small word to describe the big things that God does. Uh It's hard to imagine that, you know, today men build dams. Men build all kinds of things to try to hold back water and redirect it and all these types of things. And here in Joshua's time, just stand on the edge of the water. Those who hold the ark, stand on the edge of the water. And what's going to happen is it's going to back up. and It's going to pile up in a heap. Um, Verse 14, And so it was and the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant for the people. And all those who bore the ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest. Then the waters which came down from upstream stood still, and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zaratan. So the waters that, that went down to the Sea of the, of the Arabah, the Salt Sea, failed and were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Then the priests, who bore the Ark of the of the Lord, stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel crossed over on dry ground, until all the people had crossed over completely over the Jordan. Incredible things. Joshua was a man of his word. You're going to see wonders. They get up in the morning notice this. The Bible says, so it was, and the people set up from the camp, uh, and what happens? They're crossing over on dry land. Can you imagine? After you have been preparing yourself, you get up and you're ready to cross over. Do you think? no, well, there was water here. <laughs> we know uh, what's what's going on. Well, you know, are we in the right place? Uh, did we take a wrong turn? Oh no, the Jordan is just dried up, so you can walk across it. Amazing, amazing things. You now Joshua <laughs> was not lying. He knew that the God he knew uh, that God can do wonderful things. That's why he says in verse thirteen, the Lord of all the earth. <laughs> uh he says he's gonna cause this to happen. Uh and again, Joshua when he when he's saying these things, he doesn't say I I'm gonna cause these things to happen. He says the Lord is causing these things to happen. I I'm just the guy's repeating it. Um and what happens? They cross over on dry land. Incredible, incredible things. In chapter 4, you'll find the Bible says in the beginning of verse 1, we're going to look at just a few verses and we'll stop for a time this morning. The Bible says, And it came to pass, in chapter 4, verse 1, when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan, the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe, and commanded them, saying, Take for yourselves twelve stones from the from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and lead them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Why is that? What we're going to see It's to remind them what the Lord has done. Uh, he's very specific. You shall take them in the place where the priest's feet stood firm. And he says, you shall carry them over with you and lead them in the lodging place where you lodged tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men who he had, who he had appointed, from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said, what does he do? He tells them exactly what the Lord said. Cross over before the ark of the Lord, your God, in the midst of the Jordan. And each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder. And according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. So these are not pebbles. He says, pick up a stone and put it on your shoulder. It's a big rock, <laughs> right? Uh, you have rocks and you have stones. And these guys are carrying these things on their shoulders. He says, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. This... That this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean? You can tell them, this is where the Lord backed up the waters of this river. And we walked over on dry land. That's what these stones mean. This is where we laid them after we had crossed over. Now that's a powerful story, isn't it? Verse 7, Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan... The waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. You tell your children about these things. You know, that is an important thing for us to think about as well. You know, we, today, (laughs) we haven't crossed over a river on dry land, but we can tell others what God has done for us. We can tell others of the wonderful things the Lord has provided for us and many blessings He has given us as a follower of His. And one of the things that Joshua's the people of Israel here are being commanded to to do by Joshua from God is to make this memorial, stack up these stones. And when the children, when your children ask about it, you tell them what happened. You tell them what happened. You tell them how the Lord gave you this victory. You tell them how the Lord backed up the waters of the river. So you cross over on dry land. No, it's not for the first time, but for the second time, first the red sea, now the Jordan, the Lord will make a way. You know, we sing that song sometimes, the Lord will make a way for me, or make a way for you, uh, where the wording may be there. Well, for the people of Israel, he did that quite literally. Through the Jordan, or through the Red Sea, and then now through the Jordan, and on into victory. Okay, we're going to stop there today. I do you think if you're listening, I do you think if you're being a part of this Bible study. Uh, when we come back next time, we'll pick up in Joshua chapter 4 and verse 8. And I hope you have enjoyed this Bible study and hope you will also share this with others. I hope to see you again next time.